Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Warriors This Week. Curry with the catch. Curry, step back, jump around the way. Good at the buzzer! Ball game over! Now, here's John Dickinson. And Dan Devone with you here on a Saturday morning. Happy Saturday, everybody. Beautiful and sunny in the Bay. And uh, the Warriors playing a little bit better basketball since we last spoke. Uh, Dan Devone, two of three for the dubs. But does it really feel like this team's getting on a roll? They get GP2 back in the fold last night. Draymond on the way come Tuesday in Sacramento. But you look up and uh, this team's eight and nine. They're plodding along. Uh, playing a lot of ugly basketball games. Fortunately for them, winning two of the last three. But but overall, I, I just left Chase Center last night feeling like th- this team is just not where they need to be and, and with more issues that need to be corrected than answers uh, at this point of the season as to you know trying to be a team that's, that's significantly better than they were a year ago. I think there were more questions despite the win yesterday. <laughs> you get the, you know, you mentioned that they're, they're playing better, but but are they? Uh, we can get into that game last night. And wow, I, I hate to, you know, a win's a win, I understand. And especially when you're looking to get into this in-season tournament if you want to win your grouping. But that fourth quarter, if it's anybody other than San Antonio, maybe Detroit, maybe Washington, J.D., I don't think you're winning that game. No, and, and that thought crossed my mind. And, and there was a, a brief moment possession or two where I thought well even San Antonio might be stealing this game and and you start to drift as to just how catastrophic things would look if you are the team that loses in that fashion to a San Antonio squad that that had dropped 10 and now 11 in a row with the Warriors able to prevail so uh, 888-957-9570-888-957-9570 it is Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. We're with you until noon, so for the next three hours, uh, again, your phone calls, your text messages, and, and a simple question, and, and we can get into the game, but I don't even think really it's about last night's game as far as this show goes. I think it's more about the last three games, and I think in, in a grand scheme, it's really more about the, the first 17 games of this season, and the question that was popping through my mind last night, again, walking out of Chase Center, was... Do you feel like at eight and nine, it's like is the season a disappointment to this point? And and I think you have to say, given the way that the Warriors started at six and two, and yeah, even though they won two out of three, but you look at at eight and nine, 
that's what two and seven in the last nine and it just not trending in the right direction looking like as they play more of the league like there are more potential issues that this team's going to have to to fight through and, and just I think in the grand scheme of things it just Yes, the league is better, and I think the Western Conference is better than it was a year ago, but it is so hard for this team to win any game against any team right now, and it just doesn't, in my mind, it bodes as alarming, uh, You know, not even at the quarter pole, but with the games after this little break going to come fast and furious again, as they always do in the NBA, and, and just can this team withstand the long haul that puts them in enough of a position to where they feel good about themselves and, and in terms of seeding are, are in a good enough spot to where they can make that run to win a title. Like, Can they be a playoff team? Of course. You know, are they a play-in team? I think, I think it's all but a lock that they're a play-in team when it's all said and done, although currently uh, 10th. I think there's a lot of teams that are automatic outs really at the bottom of the Western Conference as much as uh, I, I do think it is a better conference at the top and, and in the middle. But it just the turnovers have popped up. The defense without Draymond Green and Gary Payton the second both in the fold has popped up. The secondary scoring issue is still there in that you don't know who it's going to be. Clay Thompson did have a couple of nice games, but really struggled last night. Visibly frustrated uh, in the game last night when he was uh, pulled out of the game late in the half. Not about the sub, but just about the fact that. He can't hit a shot and I think was taking some bad ones and and just can't find the consistency that I think the Warriors need. I mean, he was he was in play to not finish the game last night, and I think Steve Kerr's intent was not to finish the game with Clay Thompson, but then Andrew Wiggins has a couple of bad plays and a really bad turnover that, that keys a, a Spurs run that put the Warriors from up 15 to up three in the, in the closing seconds. And so I, it was as if Steve Kerr said, hey, I got to get, Clay back in because I got to get Wiggins out and so uh, on a night in night out basis uh, there are just a, a lot of question marks for this team and you know, I was just kind of wondering like, how would you I mean eight and nine is a disappointment right I would agree with that and I think that when you touch on those two players specifically I think they're sort of the centerpiece and a lot of this disappointing uh, reflection on the the early the early portion of the season as we're just you know, 17 games into the campaign. And you talk about Wiggins. It looked as though, you know, he teases you that he turned the corner that, okay, here comes Wiggins as he he played well a couple of games back, and you're thinking that he's going to get on track. Same same with Clay. Clay has flirted with being the Clay of, of last year in December and January, but then reverts right back to a guy that's been Mr. Inconsistent throughout the early portions of the season. And I think that, if you don't have and it can't identify that number two or somebody to offset the scoring from Steph, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, it's going to be problematic. I think that another question that we can throw out there is also, is this just a result of a team that's been without Draymond? Not to make excuses, but if you were to look at this thing as the glass being half full, you haven't had Draymond for the majority of the season. Steph was out for a little bit with the knee. You had no GP2 and the slow start to both Wiggins as well as Clay Thompson, does that mean that once you come at full strength and once you play together for a couple of weeks thereafter, could this team be the sort of team that everybody envisioned as, as being you know, a playoff contender, not a play-in team? I, I don't, is that enough, I guess is the question. Even at full strength, 
even at everybody being healthy and Draymond being Draymond, the question to me with the West and sort of the, the changing of the guard that it's look at the Houston's of the world and the Oklahoma and these teams, the Minnesotas, you know, this, there's been this, this shift of power where they're now the teams that are sending to the top and where do the Warriors find themselves in all of this. And the Warriors, even at full strength, can they compete with teams that are younger and more athletic? And compete over the long haul. Like it's not a matter of can you win a couple of individual games or or even win a playoff series against one of these teams, but are you going to be in a position to where your overall standing is such to where you know you you you're not having to tax yourself the way that the Warriors did against the Kings last year to knock them out and and the Warriors earned it and they proved themselves to be the better team over that seven game series but what did we see we saw when the Warriors what they just didn't have enough left in the tank against the Lakers and the Lakers were a, a more difficult matchup defensively with some of their length and some of their size and the Warriors just didn't you know, Sacramento, in some ways, they didn't beat the Warriors last year, but they helped to take out the Warriors because they took a pound of flesh in that seven-game series, even though the Warriors prevailed, and it made it easier for the Lakers to, to wipe them out in, in six games. When you looked at uh, all of the difficulties shooting the basketball and just the, the struggles for the Warriors to, to find offense. I think that's been the biggest concern for me. I think a lot of the defensive stuff is no Draymond and, and no GP2. But if you can't, if all of a sudden you go to be in one of the worst teams defensively and you are still struggling to find it offensively, well, that's what leads down this path of you can't really win a game hardly against anybody and you lose seven to nine after, after being six and two. So, so to me, it's, you know, it all goes hand in hand. If, if, you know, when you have Draymond and when you have GP2, you're better defensively. It means you can get away with trying to find yourself offensively. That hasn't been the case over the course of, of the last couple of weeks with the, with the Warriors losing uh, as often as they have. So I do think the foundation of this team uh, defensively with Draymond back and now GP2, I, I do think that will return. And so I'm less concerned about that other than if you take those guys away, it may instantly go away again as far as the dribble penetration and the rotations not being there and, and all of those things. Uh, there's just no resistance at the point of attack. You know, they're, all of a sudden, they're fouling all the time now. All of a sudden, teams are, are living at the free throw line. All of a sudden, the, the drive and kick game for really any team is, is there into, into open threes. And, and not having Draymond be able to yell at everybody as far as where they need to be in defensive rotations and, and you know, be that coach on the floor... I think has really been problematic, but I still think the inconsistencies of Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, despite the fact that the overall bench numbers have been really good, this team's really not getting enough still consistently from the starters in terms of offense. And if they can't do that, I feel like unfortunately it's it's going to wind up in a similar position. I don't think we're there last yet, and and like the team hasn't started doing this yet. But I mentioned this off the top of the show last week, just the fact that if if it does get to a point here where the Warriors drop a few and they fall three, four games under 500, it, you know, you don't want to be middle of December, early January talking about April 
when you're when you're a team that's that's going to have to fight like hell to to get into it. Like you don't want to be saying in January, oh, nobody's going to want to play us if we're the if we're the sixth seed, or nobody's going to play. You know, so and again, we're not there yet, but it feels to me like this thing over the last nine games is trending more in that direction than the six and two. Like what what's more real? And obviously, the Warriors were more whole. But it's the ability to be six and two and sustain it, or the ability to avoid the two and seven stretch that's that's followed it. And look, maybe this team is just a five hundred team, and and they're going to have to see where that ultimately leads them. I mean, they were basically a five hundred team all of last year, right up until the very end when they pushed to get to forty four. I think a lot of this just has to play out. We all have a tendency to overreact. It is seventeen games in to an 82 game season. So we just, and it's, it's difficult as fans. And this is certainly true for football and any sport. And it's certainly applicable to basketball, but you got to let things breathe. And I I don't know, giving the Warriors the benefit of the doubt before I'm able to pass any sort of judgment as to, okay, this is who they are. And this is the sort of team that they're going to be going forward and getting to the playoffs is realistic or unrealistic as far as being a top seed and, or are you a, a playing team. So this with the return of everybody being healthy and assuming nobody goes out and you keep Steph and and no CP3 isn't going down and they play a couple of months and you get you know you get knee deep into the season and you begin to see the identity or the lack thereof of this basketball season of this basketball team you have a better idea of assessing just exactly who they are. So I'm I'm holding out because I think Clay won't be, although you and I, I don't know how many more weeks we can continue to do the show and I say the exact same thing. I'm hoping that Clay can return to being Clay and I'm assuming that Wiggins will get back to being Wiggs. Uh, you know, we are getting a little deep into this, but I, I'll still hold out hope that those guys will turn a corner. Steph will be Steph. Draymond certainly will unlock the defense. And then we'll see where they're at after a month or two uh, from where we're at, where we are right now, uh, the big question, and this isn't going to go away: are they are they too old? Is this just a matter of a, we're it's right in front of us, and the king is naked? But whether it's because of of, of the, the the connective tissue they have to the community with three Hall of Famers, and, and now you add Chris Paul, that we just can't recognize what should be obvious to everybody that your core is aging. And all this athleticism, and we're talking about the upswing of the conference with, you know, the Minnesotas, the Sacramentos, and the OKCs of the world, and Houston you can throw in there, and that the Warriors are descending down that mountain simply because they're now a step and a half slower than everybody else. He's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570. 888-957-9570. It's Warriors this week here on a Saturday on 95-7 the game as uh, the Warriors sit now at 8-9. and nine. They have won two out of three, but they've also dropped seven of nine since the 6-2 and two start. Nothing for the Warriors today. Uh, this uh, last night's game ended really a, a, a two-week stretch where the games were coming fast and furious with uh, back-to-back and then basically playing every other day for, for two weeks surrounding the holiday as well. Now, mostly at home through that stretch, and the Warriors are going to get on the road a little bit more here coming up, but it's it's short trips. It's it's at Sacramento, then you're coming home and playing the Clippers, and you go to L.A., play the Clippers. We'll see where the Warriors wind up as far as the in-season tournament goes, and they did stay alive as far as that goes 
last night, uh, moving to two and one in the in the group play portion of things. Sacramento is sitting now at three and zero in in the group play, so they lead the Warriors group at three and zero. Then you've got Minnesota two and one, Warriors two and one. Warriors and Kings play in Sacramento on Tuesday. Minnesota plays Oklahoma City on Tuesday, and so it's all going to come down to the final day. Bottom line, if the Kings win on Tuesday, they win the group and move on. If the Warriors win, uh, then they would either need uh, Minnesota to lose to Oklahoma City, and that would put the Warriors as the winner of the group at 3-1. and one. If Minnesota wins, then you got the three-way tie scenario with the Warriors-Kings and Timberwolves, and it would go into point differential and, and all of that. And the Warriors, I think at this point, although it can change, would have to beat the Kings by 13 if or more if Minnesota were to beat uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder to make it that three-way tie scenario. So that impacts the schedule more than anything moving forward for that first week of December after the Warriors play in L.A. against the Clippers a, a week from today uh, in the afternoon. Uh, and so you know, we'll see. Still a shot to get to Vegas, still a shot to make a run in the, in the in-season tournament. The Warriors kept that alive. We know Golden State's played well this year against Sacramento, stealing the game back in November, uh, the early part of November, November the 1st at Chase and then winning in more convincing fashion a week before that game two of this season in Sacramento. So just kind of general question on the board, 8 at 8, 9, 5, 7, 95, 70. It's just how you feeling about this Warriors team at 8 and 9, and do you think that 8 and 9 is a disappointment to start the season? I, I think it has to be considered a disappointment. Uh, now, you could make the case, given the, the injuries and, and you know trying to figure out a, a new squad, new rotation, players in new roles, that they've held it together at 8-9. and nine. But again, the thing that I just keep coming back to is you were 6-2. and two, You had an opportunity to be in the 10-5, and 10-6 group. If you could just hold, you know, hold serve through this last couple of weeks, you had a ton of home games, and you let it slip. And so, yeah, this team might be better, and I think they've shown that they're probably going to be better significantly on the road. But if they can't back it up at home, then you become this just different version of a very similar team to what they were a year ago. And here's the thing we know. If they're what they were a year ago, they're not winning a title. Like They're not winning a title if they are a different version of the same from what they were a year ago, Dan. Let me just put this to you. When we think about the... The beginning of the season, which I agree with you, is a disappointment. Just two things jump out at me. It's the turnovers. The 24 last night was ridiculous. Uh, eight in the fourth quarter, which made that a one-possession game with the San Antonio Spur team that came in as one of the worst losers of 10 in a row. It's the turnovers. But listen, the turnovers have always been there, right? That's just the way they play. If you're going to get out and run and sort of redefine the way we play basketball during this dynastic run. They've accepted the turnovers, but then there's that sort of happy balance. Well, we want to play warrior basketball, but let's also control, you know, let's control the ball and make sure that this doesn't get out of hand. It's, it's something that it, they, they have to get their arms around each and every year. And also it's the lack of height, which is another thing. The fact that they don't have that conventional big, it, it's, I think if you would, you know, Steve Kerr would tell you, well, yeah, you could have, you know, that was applied to us two years ago. And people said, you don't have that big, you can't match up with the likes of Boston and company. But that works to their advantage when they want to expose the bigs defensively uh, from other teams. Or, you know, if Looney is your big, you still have proper spacing and he can't as much as he did earlier in his career, but he can still close out on guys. 
I would say this, J.D., is that, yeah, that was true when you had peak Steph and peak Clay, although Steph is still Steph, but when you had guys that were younger again and more athletic, it was easier to overcome the 24 turnover nights. Like You could still win games like that. You could still play that way. But that gap is so narrow now. And as far as a big, well, yeah, you can overcome bigs because we could do it with our athleticism. That was sort of the recipe or the template to win back in the day. Again, I look at this team now and I'm like, yeah, you don't have a big, but are you as athletic as you were just a couple of short, just a short few years ago? Can you still win with a team that is clearly aging, that is lacking the consistency of that of someone like that, a, a Clay Thompson? Do the old rules still apply where you can overcome and overcompensate the, the turnovers and the lack of a quote-unquote big man? Well, it's, it, it comes down to the fact that they would speed the game up and, and they would force teams to try and keep up with them offensively, really. And, and they would get on these roles where you know they're switching everything defensively. The game is sped up. They're able to rebound and get out in transition. Their offense is flowing. And I think what we're seeing now is that the offense, you know, the, the debate would always be, and Steve Kerr would always say, no, it's defense turning into offense. And, and it's Draymond really you know, quarterbacking everything and all the switching and, and, and teams can't. I, I always thought at times it was the offense leading to defense. And it was truly the chicken or the egg. Like I thought, hey, the Warriors were so potent offensively when they sped the game up like that with their shooting and their skill that it would force teams to get in a, in a game where they think they can keep up, but the reality is they couldn't. And the Warriors were always going to get a couple of stops and it would just turn into this onslaught. For in in favor of the Warriors, and it would swallow teams up. I mean, the Warriors would be in tie games that would turn into twenty point games. The Warriors would be down by fifteen, and then they'd be up by ten. Like they would have these massive, massive runs because of their ability to play two way basketball. But I always thought, to me, they're not potent enough offensively to be able to to play smaller and really make teams pay in, in the ways that that they used to make teams pay. You know, defensively, I do still think when it's the main group uh, you know, with, with Draymond out there, and you pick who your fifth guy is going to be, and it's Steph and, and Clay and, and Andrew Wiggins. Like, I still think defensively, if, if Peyton maybe is the the fifth guy, I, I think they do have enough to to slow some teams down. But again, for me, the the question mark is really more about the offense as, as opposed to the to the defense. Do they offense is what got them beat in the playoffs? Offense is in large part, how you win regular season games because nobody really plays consistent defense in, in the regular season. Can you, out, can you win some of these games where you're efficient enough offensively to beat a lot of these teams that are just content to go through the motions and, and try to outscore you? And look, the Warriors don't have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant anymore. Like that's like the, 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 the days of just having that fail-safe of no matter what's going on in the game, you know you're always going to make some kind of a run because you have – you know, two of the top three, play, you know, two of the top three players maybe in the league at that point playing for your squad. I mean, those those days are over. So you got to be a little bit more efficient. You got to have you know more consistency with the turnovers, better shot selection, uh, th- those kinds of things. And that I think is where the inconsistencies lie for this team. So you mentioned okay. So Draymond is, or excuse me, KD obviously isn't there. So where then does the scoring come from when you look at the team as they're currently comprised? 
Well, it's got. It has to come from obviously Steph. Although nobody's talking well, about yeah, him. Well, yeah, I'm you're including. Either. Yeah, Steph is. Steph. Yeah, it's Steph, Steph has been. A, Steph has been. You know, every box checked. He hit seven threes last night. Goes for thirty five points. He's still playing every bit at the level he has. It's got to be Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins because I think you could make the case, Dan, that you look at the bench and while it hasn't, you know, there haven't been these eye popping numbers, although. Dario Saric has gone 20-20-20 in the three in-season tournament games. How about that? For, for Saric has ramped his game up in the, in the in-season tournament. But as much as... You, you can argue he's been their second-best player offensively. And if I was, you to, tell you, well, if I was to tell you that in the beginning... Much, yeah. maybe if I was to tell you that in the beginning of the season that 17 games in, Saric is going to be your, be, your second-best player. That would, say, that would speak volumes. Uh, that, that'd be great because Saric was a great find, but it would also be like, oh, that's a head-scratcher. You'd like it, and, and he has offensively been a steal, but it also tells you that, that something's up with Wiggins and something's up with Clay Thompson. Bench aside, because I think you know, even Jonathan Kaminga at times, is, you don't always know where you're going to get it. But the Warriors have gotten enough from the bench. So I'm not, I'm not put, it's not, and they've gotten enough from Steph. Like overall, like I think in, in a if you put individual games and the collective bench in in a box and you say are you getting enough? Like the Warriors are getting enough. They're right. outscoring opposing benches in fifteen to seventeen games to begin the season. So like that part of it is I'm not blaming anybody on the bench. You know, could it be? Could they be more consistent? Could there be a, a easier delineation as to you know the the players that should be playing every single night? As Steve Kerr mentioned on on our air earlier in the week, sure. But to me, it comes down to it comes down to Andrew Wiggins and and Clay Thompson. Like that's where the Warriors are not getting enough consistent offensive production to you know be in the position they need to be in. To, to win a lot of these games and, and overcome a lot of these areas in which they're deficient otherwise as far as the athleticism and at times the, the defense and, and to your point, even the size. So with that being said, and I agree with you, it is obviously Wiggins and it's Clay Thompson. So how confident are you and or Warrior fans that Clay Thompson is going to be Clay Thompson or where is he at in his career as far as the consistency word? And secondly, Andrew Wiggins, who is about as streaky and hit of a miss, and sometimes he's really good and then disappears for a month. So if it's relying on those two, you have Steph, and you know, should Steph <laughs> suffer an injury? I mean, I have no idea what you're going to do, but you have Steph being Steph, but then if it, if it comes down to those two specifically, uh, what's the level of concern and or confidence or the lack thereof when you're talking about Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, knowing their recent history. Look, I, I mean, I, I do think Clay's going to be better than he has been. I think that you know the the back it's the old back of the baseball card or back of the basketball card. Like you know, the numbers are going to be closer than than you know what they are right now to what his career averages have been. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter. And, and look, last night was a game where he didn't shoot it well, but he did have six assists. And like I, I almost, in some ways give him credit for last night but again you're doing it against San Antonio because what have I said you can't win you know or the Warriors have a real difficult time winning when Clay plays awful I don't think Clay played awful last night top top to bottom I don't think he shot it well I think he took some bad ones three of 11 certainly isn't good oh four from two-point range certainly isn't isn't great but it was a three of 11 and and you know what we've seen is the three of 11 even is better than the six of 18 or the six of 19 type game fewer shots trying to keep it moving I think the six assists tell you 
that Clay Thompson is willing to, to try and move the ball as, as frustrating as, as it may be at times because I think he wa- wants to inherently take a lot of the shots that over the course of his career he's made more consistently than he has in this first month of the season. But there's a conscious effort to keep the ball moving. I do think there's a conscious effort to get uh, you know make an impact in other ways, whether it's you know defense. And, and look, de- the defense, Clay's bringing an honest effort defensively every single night. Like, I don't even think that's effort-based. I think at times, Clay's playing pretty good defense, given the matchups that he has. But there are also individual matchups on certain nights where it's like, whoa, this guy can't obviously you know, cover the little guards like he used to, but even some of the wing players that have some quicks that he gets matched up on, it's, you know, they're trying to, I don't want to say hide him, but they're trying to maximize his athletic, where his athleticism is at with some more like uh, players on the opposition. And even those, I think, on certain nights against certain teams in certain portions of games, it's like, whoa, this is a tough matchup for Clay, And he is kind of getting beat. And and I think that's fr- frustrating. And then when he can't go back and hit shots on the other end and, and make up for it, which I think he's used to being able to do, I think that's where it, it compounds matters and, and he really finds himself you know, battling through some things. But it, it, you know, I, I'm confident that both are going to be better than they've been. But is that going to be good enough in the context of an 82-game season to get where you need to be to where you feel good about you know, this team being able to make a run in the postseason, which is, is what it's all about. All right, 888-957-9570. We'll get to Alex in San Francisco coming back. We'll get to some text messages on the Comcast Business text line. As we are off and rolling, it's Warriors this week on a Saturday. It's J.D. and Devone here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, rolling along here, John Dickinson and Dan Devone, 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. It's Warriors This Week. Again, J.D. and Devon were with you until noon here on 95.7 The Game. A couple of text messages that, that I wanted to get to, trying to make some sense of the 8-9 and nine Warriors start, and also want to get to the phone lines as well. Do we still have Alex on, on the phone line there, Dan? We do. All right, let's, let's get Alex in here. Uh, we appreciate Alex holding through the break, and so we'll, we'll start with Alex here this segment on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Alex. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey. Okay, okay. Hey, this is what I wanted to say. Hey, the words are, are where they at because of Clay Thompson and, and um, Kaminga. They're trying to do too much. While we got Stephen Curry creating for others, playing within the offense, they're not playing within the offense. And also blows my mind that we have this guy, Corey Joseph, on, my, on our team to where he's getting minutes. Like, who is Corey Joseph getting minutes? We should have uh, picked up, um, what's his name, Rudy Gay for those minutes. And if, if if we would have picked up Rudy Gay, would have been we would have been far before far before eight and nine, if he asked me. And then also this Corey Joseph, he getting these minutes, why are we not putting Santos in? Why is Santos is not being developed? It, it's just it's just I think Steve Curry is all over the place with his, his rotation on the offense and, and on the defense with the team. What do you guys think about that? Shit all right, thanks for the call, uh, Alex. A lot to chew on. One, Corey Joseph is a point guard, and Guy Santos is basically a four. And Rudy Gay was in camp and didn't earn a spot on the team. R- Rudy Gay looked done in, in training camp. And, and I, I think the Warriors wanted to give that spot to Rudy Gay, but he he didn't have it in the tank. And so, uh, I don't know, maybe Alex is running material there, but uh, I, don't, I don't think Rudy Gay being on this team, one, I don't think he'd be playing a lot. And two, uh, you know, he he wouldn't be having any impact on turning an eight and nine team into a ten and seven team or an eleven and six team or, or anything like that. Uh, and and look, Corey Joseph, he didn't play last night. He's barely played. The only time he's played has been when when Steph was out, and you need a backup point guard. Uh, Kerr did throw him in the game in Phoenix when he threw all of the back end of the bench guys in that game, and he helped them just like the other young players that uh, so many Warrior fans are so in love with helped them in that game. Basically, when when Coach Kerr forced the Suns to to stop playing, he's like, "I'm going to the back end of my bench." Will this will the Suns stop taking this game seriously? And that's exactly what happened because the Warriors' younger players, plus Corey Joseph and and Saric, who was out there at, uh, for for a little stretch of it, you know, were able to to play hard and and, and keep things rolling. So, uh, yeah, if you want to question the rotation and 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 who's playing and all of that. I think we can get into a conversation about it, but it's not about Guy Santos or Corey Joseph or, or Rudy Gay. M- miss me with all of that, Devon. Were you surprised the other night that the starters didn't come back in when they got they got it within three of, or was it six, the closest they got? I, I was not because Kerr put Clay and Steph back in with nine minutes to go, and the lead got pushed back up. Like he went back to him. Everybody says he didn't go, but go to him. He went back to him. It went from what eighteen, I think, down to nine. And then he went back to Steph and Clay, and it went right back up to 18, and then 23. And he said, "All right, enough. I'm not. I'm not doing this." So he did give them one opportunity to go back into the game and try and you know continue the run that the that the younger players had had went on. 
and and the lead got pushed right back up. So at that point, when it happened again, to me, you're not go, you're not going back to him a second time after. So they they didn't have it on that night, and the younger players did. And again, I think part of that was the Suns at the sight of the Warriors taking their best players out of the game, I think basically quit playing, which was some of it. And again, you give credit to the guys that were out there to continue to make plays and put pressure on them and, and force the Suns to put their starters back in the game uh, to try and close it out in, in the closing seconds. Really kind of like last night's game in a sense, right? It was, you know, you, you get the, the Spurs forcing the Warriors into an uncomfortable position, even though the Warriors were, were basically in control for the entirety of the of the fourth quarter. So uh, as far as that, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised only because I, I looked at it as, you no, know, he put Stephen Clay back in the game, and then Steph and Clay were part of the group that let the lead get all the way back up to, to 18 to 20. And so at that point, you're like, okay, these guys don't have it. I'll go back to those other guys. And those other guys, to their credit, kept fighting and got back into the game a second time. Yeah, I thought it was a, that was a cool move on the part of Steve Kerr to let these – he essentially was saying, look, it, you, you guys brought us into this thing, close the deal. And just you know, putting it in their hands was – I, I I liked it. I I liked him trying to see and develop these kids because this is really what what it is that you're doing over the long haul of the season is, all right, you got us within striking distance. Let's see if you you can take us home. Um, I, and, I had no issue it, with it. No, and that's and that's when you do it. You know that that's when you know everybody says development, 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 development is not plugging a young player right into the middle of the rotation. You know when when maybe that player hasn't earned that opportunity to this point, and and just saying you're going to give them minutes just to give them minutes. You know in the you know, in the context of of everything else that the that the Warriors are trying to do. Uh, but yeah, again, you you want to get into the rotation, that's fine. Spare me the Corey Joseph and, and like Guy Santos is barely going to play unless there are injuries. Like that's that's just the way it is. And Corey Joseph really only plays when there's injuries or a game gets completely out of hand like it did uh, on Wednesday. So it really isn't about that. And, and the one thing that does kind of drive me nuts, and I'm going to spend already probably more time talking about it than, than I, we, we really need to, but it does get my dander up a little bit. The, the mismatch in positions... With the, and and this this happens every it's like play play Guy Santos over Corey Joseph play Moses Moody over Corey Joseph why is Corey Joseph getting more minutes than Jonathan Kaminga or or whatever it, like they don't play the same position it's not apples to apples it's not a choice now if you want to say play Pajemski over Corey Joseph and play Pajemski as a point guard and not as a two or as a combo guard then that's a that's a conversation we can have. But, uh, yeah, there, there's all of these, you know, wanting to play threes and fours over, over guys that are basically one-and-a-half twos, and that's, that's just not how it works. Yeah. All right, Junior and Pacifica next here on 95.7 of the game. Hey, Junior, you're on with J.D. and Devone. Hey, guys, if we're going we're gonna to go by the J.D. frustration index at this early point in the season, we're in trouble. Um, uh, just, just a joke. Um, <laughs> Hey, two, two questions, really, uh, kind of complicated ones. But for Kaminga, like, I, I frankly am a little disappointed. I'm a huge fan. I feel like he wants to be a star and, and doesn't see how hard, you know, the, the work and the grind is. He was humble for a couple of years, and if he could keep that up, then he could really ascend right now. And I, I don't see it happening. I, I see him wanting to kind of 
do his own thing still on the Warriors, and, and it's just not working at the moment is, is my view. But who's a player who – who's a couple other players like Kaminga who are raw, lots of talent, and how are they doing? You know, who are his comparables? And that totally different question. Wimbayama, uh, uh, if you look at him now, do you think eventually he's KD, better than KD, or not quite as good as KD? I, he looked a little rough around, around all those – edges, you know, elbows and knees out there trying to, trying to get them all to move together, I, I thought. So I, I thought maybe some KD is so amazing, but, but not that amazing kind of basketball player. I'm real interested in your guys' opinion. Yeah, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be KD. I, I, I really don't, unless he turns into more of a big, and then obviously he wouldn't be a KD-type player if he starts playing like a big. I mean, I, I know he wants to – to be you know, more of a, a wing or a big that's going to be out on the wing and, and shoot and try to put it on the deck and all that. Like I, I think Wemby's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a damn good player. I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star. I think he's a very young player that's trying to figure out how to play in, in the NBA against NBA body types, and, and he's got a target on him every single night. I mean, there, there's no doubt. I mean, when you are a, a player that, that – has had the hype surrounding him as Victor Wimbanyama has had, uh, there are going to be guys in the league that, that want to take it to you. And, and I think he's, he's getting that. You know, we always talk about the Warriors getting the champions shot every night, uh, you, even now that they're not defending champions. Well, Wimbanyama is going to get the you were the number one pick and you better live up to the hype shots from opponents every single night. So I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he'll be as good a player as Durant necessarily, but I do think he's going to be uh, a damn good player. And then Dan, I just I'll let you jump in on Kaminga because I've I've spoken a lot about Kaminga. Uh, you know, and my I've kind of turned. You know, as I've said, it just I I don't expect him to be a star. So at least for this season. So because I'm not expecting that, I I don't view the way that he's played as some kind of a failure to this point this season. I think he's still trying to grow. I think the Warriors have really given him a green light to look to score with that bench group, and I think he's done that. Uh, you know, he's he's looked to score uh, at times without uh, regular success. He did help him in the fourth quarter with 11 of his 12 points, and the Warriors needed all those points, but. Uh, to me, the question on Kaminga remains the same, and that is, can he prove himself to be a consistent role player on this team, which helps them try to win an NBA championship? And, and to that end, I will say I think he's been a little disappointing because he hasn't been consistent. He's helped them about half the time, maybe a little less than half the time, and he hasn't really helped them probably, you know, I don't know, it's probably, probably 55-45, something like that, uh, in terms of when he hasn't been able to fill that void versus when he has. But that's the part that I would be more concerned about, at least for this season. Yeah, really quick, just to go back to Wimbanyama, you're spot on. Everybody's heard the hype, and I mean all the other players in the league, and they want to challenge this guy. And you didn't have to look any further than GP2 walking him down last night and getting that block, albeit yeah, it was sort of from the side, from behind, wasn't straight up, but that block I think really sort of – for a brief moment of time last night, energized the Golden State Warriors defensively. We can get into the return of Peyton and what he's meant to the team, not only physically, but I, but I also think just from you know being that guy that, that can, it can provide the energy that maybe was lacking, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, J.K., I, I want to dive in with you maybe in the next break. Uh, I, I continue to uh, 
I hold this guy as being sort of the X factor going forward. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack, I think, with Jonathan Kaminga. And I, I won't dive into it uh, too deep right now because I haven't heard her in a long time. But I see Robin's on deck. I do want to get to Robin if we have time. But I, I do want to revisit Jonathan Kaminga. And uh, just to tease you in the audience, that if we're going to talk about trade pieces, well, you're not trading, you're not trading Andrew Wiggins, and you're certainly not trading you know, Clay Thompson, the salaries and teams just don't want them. But is somebody going to get attached? And at what point, if you are going to entertain a trade, who are your commodities? And I think that Jonathan Kaminga, as this goes along, and the thing we have to keep in mind is that he's still young, right? He's still, he's still growing into to being a man for the most part. But I think that if you're talking about improving this team and getting somebody that is going to be an impact player, not a Zach Levine, that doesn't make anything any sense at the end of the day. You're still not going to make a deep run. But if you're going to get somebody and really change the structure of this team, I think Jonathan Kaminga, as the weeks go by, is making slowly making a case for himself, much like that of, of Weissman in the early days, of potentially being that guy. But that's something that we can certainly get into a little bit later. Yeah, it, it's really tricky because I, I think with Kaminga, the better he plays, the more enticed you are to keep him, even though the better he plays, that's where he gets. Like, I don't think his trade value to this point is where you're going to get that that big-time impact player. Like, I, I think – if, but he, I think he needs to play better to put the Warriors in position to where they could get a player like that for him at this point, and, and a lot of Warrior fans don't want to hear this in, in all likelihood, but you're looking at trading Kaminga for a role player that, that's a better fit. And I don't think the Warriors really want to do that considering the upside that he has. But if he plays better, then you can get a better player for him potentially if you look to trade him. But the problem with that is if he plays better, then you're the Warriors and you start to say, well, wait a minute, we want to hang on to this guy who you know, you've got control of in terms of being able to make him a restricted free agent and match offers and extend and, and all of those things. So it is a little bit of a catch-22 because the better he plays, the more apt to want to keep him you are and where you know when he's been more inconsistent like he has to begin this season then you're more apt to, to want to look to move him but you're also going to get I think a lot of offers that don't make you you know, feel real good about about moving him in, in that vein so uh, I think to this point again while I'm not down on Kaminga because of my expectations for Kaminga I do think if you start going through I do think he's been disappointing overall this season in that it hasn't looked more consistent as a role player. Uh, and, and so, and I'm with you. I think, you know, I do think in, in the caller saying, you know, that he wants to be a star. I, I, I think, I'm not going to say he's let that go. I do think he still, but I, I also think he has really tried to do what the coaches have, have told him and wanted him to do, and I think they're giving him some leeway in some of these games where he doesn't play well to go back. I mean, last night's a perfect example. You know, Jonathan Kaminga played so poorly in the first half that if he didn't play again in the second half, you couldn't have argued with it. But you know, to Steve Kerr's credit, and he's been consistent with this all year, he's making sure that Kaminga's at least getting those 20 minutes, and there have been four, five games in the second half where Kaminga's made an impact, at least scoring. You know, he hadn't done much else for the most part, but at least scoring, and the Warriors have needed that, and last night I would put in, in that box. Uh, Robin in San Francisco is next. Hey, Robin. 
Hey, you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Um, I hope it's not too noisy in here. I'm in Fuko trying to uh, talk myself out of buying this banana cream pie. Um, Don't do it, Robin. Don't do it, Robin. <laughs> I fried some bacon the other day. I hadn't had bacon in I don't know how long. And they were eating all the bacon up, John, as I was cooking it. I was pissed, okay? Every time I turned my back, it was like stealing the bacon. Anyway, uh, I just called in to say, I want to know what the goals are. So the goal is to win a championship, right? So I think it's pretty much, to me, an unrealistic goal because they don't have the team. They have talent, but talent doesn't equate to always winning, okay? Um, So is the goal to remain competitive? So this is how I tend to look at things. As it stands right now, I think that the core are too old. I think it's obvious they're a step slow. Um, I think Clay's playing out of frustration. I think everybody is an asset that you can get something for, depending on what your goal is, except for Steph Curry. Okay, that's who's not uh, uh, an asset uh, to be, uh, you know, bought. So uh, Jonathan Kaminga, which is Dan's boy, I think is not as great as you think he's going to be. Um, So I just think that the organization – and the team are at an impasse here. They've come to a fork in the road. I think Kerr's offense is stale. I think that it need, they need an offensive overall. And I just they just seem lost to me. They have no direction. If the championship's what it is, I think they're living in dreamland. Peace out, you guys, and happy holidays. Thanks, Robin. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think winning a championship is unrealistic. That that should That better be the goal if you decide – back in May that you're bringing everybody back plus Steve Kerr and you're going to add Chris Paul to the equation like if you're doing that and you don't think winning a championship is a realistic goal then then I think the conversation is well what are you doing so I have no problem with that being the goal whether the reality meets the road as far as their ability to actually you know, be a contender that part remains to be seen and it really has been a tale of of two teams you got the 6 and 2 start you've got the 2 and 7 since it all adds up to eight and nine. There's reasons surrounding the, the the poor stretch with injuries and suspensions and all of that. So there are reasons that we can get into as far as why things aren't maybe you know where they were at the beginning of the year. But again, the thing that I keep coming back to is you can't be this team that's just 500, 500, 500, 500 all year, and then by the end of the year you're saying, well, if we can sneak in and be the sixth seed again, because that's last year. And, and yes, I, I think this team is better than last year when they're whole. But are they going to be whole consistently enough to have even the record that they did last year in a Western Conference that I think is better? That's the question. Just to get back to Jonathan Kaminga and Robin, you know, mentioned how I was so in on JK, and I was. And just, just to revisit, and we can put it, you know, we can move on off of this, but the, the trade piece, the reason why it, it's because it's trending that way to me. It's not so much of his play. Uh, that's certainly, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. But at some point, as the relationship goes forward between him and Steve Kerr, you begin to see that, that maybe culturally he's not a fit. Now, look, at, uh, am I talking out of balance? Potentially. But I felt last week was really sort of revealing, that the unveiling that the, they had a talking to with him, and Steve Kerr specifically, Said how you know you're you're 
you, I don't know if he, you know he's one of those powders. When he mentioned that in the in the post game comments, if he was indirectly talking about Jonathan Kaminga, but immediately told me that okay, something's amiss here, and it's more than basketball. Going back to last year, I, I would get on the air, JD, and I, I would go after Jordan Poole at the height of his popularity, and I would say, and Robin used to call in and just hammer me. I would say, do not be surprised if this guy gets moved to the offseason. And people just said, you're out of your mind. He was the second-leading scorer. And it wasn't so much that he was scoring the basketball, but I just said culturally he doesn't fit because he didn't play defense. He turns the ball over, and I think there's just something amiss in terms of the personality and the way the Warriors do things. And it doesn't all result from the punch with Draymond Green. And again, it's very early with Jonathan Kaminga. But I saw him come off the floor, and this is after the, hey, you know, we had a meeting with Jonathan Kaminga, and even Jonathan Kaminga said, I've talked to players and I need to change things. After that discussion, the first game was against Phoenix, and I saw him walk off the floor, and it was a deliberate pouting sort of, I'm going to take my time to the bench because I don't think I should be coming out of this game. And I, I'm beginning to recognize that when Steve Kerr makes these decisions, it's based on that as much as anything else. I think Steve Kerr and management have always, maybe more than other teams, put an emphasis on whether this guy fits into what it is that we're doing. Can he play with Steph? Is he a Steph type of guy? A cheerleader, a guy who's joyful, enjoys the game. You can recognize that. Say what you will about Pajemski or Trace Jackson. But you can see that is in their DNA. You don't see that in Kaminga. And that, more than anything else, uh, or as much as anything else, I think is sort of the impetus of potentially what could be a trade piece going forward. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with anything that, that you said there. I think the Warriors know that at times they, the way that they deal with Kaminga, it's, it's intricate, right? There's a lot of, It's layered. Uh, I, I think is probably a better way to, to put it because he is a young player with a lot of talent that I do think has a, a, a pretty high opinion of, of his game. I think he wants to be a part of what's going on with the other key contributors uh, on this team. Like, I think he looks at himself and says, I'm every bit Andrew Wiggins and, and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green. Not, not that level of player or that level of accomplishment, but, but I should be the fifth on the court with the other guys that are all the made dudes that are going to get their time no matter what. Like I think he does view himself as a player on the come in, in that respect. But he also has been, and we talked a little bit about this last week, he has been a player that at times you wonder when he gets pulled out of a game, is he, you know, is he so upset because he sees somebody else playing well maybe in his spot that, that it's hard for him as a young guy to, to openly cheer because he's thinking, damn, well, I have, a, I have a tough enough time getting the minutes that I feel I should be already getting to begin with. Now I'm getting ripped out of the game and I'm sitting over here and the dude that's in for me is playing well, and so he's probably going to get more of that run. So I, I think there's a balance with the Warriors and how they have to, to – you know, talk to him, explain things to him, challenge him, you know, love him, like all of those different things. I, I, I think there's a balance that goes into it for a young player that's, that's trying to, to find himself as far as his, his career and his ceiling, which I do think is still pretty high, and his ability to help this team this season. 
And so, you know, I, I think it is still more of a, a work in progress. I think it did start in the offseason when, you know, things didn't end well last year for Kaminga with the, the not playing in the playoffs and then, you know, the things that came out of, of, of his camp with wanting, you know, guaranteed playing time or basically wanting to go. Uh, and so it's interesting. I, I, I've said this a few times. I feel like the Warriors have almost made a pact with Jonathan Kaminga. We're going to give you the 20 minutes regardless. It's up to you to get beyond that. We're, we'll even put you in positions where you can try to cook offensively when you're on the floor, but you've got to do other things. And I feel like the other things, for the most part, really haven't been there at all. Like I think the rebounding, hustle plays, defense, for the most part, have been completely non-existent. And then there have been a handful of games where he's had some poor first halves and some pretty good second halves offensively. Uh, so, so top to bottom, I think it probably goes in the slightly disappointing category. Uh, this year, but I'm not looking at it as far as... I, I never thought there was going to be this massive third-year leap where he's a borderline all-star and he's the you know, second or third best player on the team helping to take up for maybe others who are, who are on a little bit of a decline. But it's a long season and he is, without a doubt, a talented kid. Alright, uh, overdue to pause here. He's Devone. I'm JD. 888-957-9570. One hour in the books. Two to come here, 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Uh, 